But Michael Saylor doesn't actually have the most. Who has the most? Um, recently, it was announced that Bulgaria has like 200,000 oh, Bitcoin. Oh, okay, so yeah. Bulgaria, as far as officially... El Salvador must be real salty about that. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately for El Salvador, their criminals were not buying Bitcoin that when they arrested them, they could confiscate Bitcoin, right? If only your criminals were more technologically savvy. Yeah, the criminals there were based on dollars. They had dollar criminals in <laughs> their country. They had fiat criminals. I need, I, how do I encourage Bitcoin criminals into my jurisdiction? Listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. I'm Ian. That's Keon. And, and we're, we're the, the Recefis. My husband loves Bitcoin, and once a week I let him talk my ear off about it. Yeah, I'm a real cheap date. Cheap, maybe, but it's a lot of work. If I'm gonna do something, may as well do it the best way possible. And Flirting with Bitcoin is audience funded without ads or sponsors. Mm-hmm. This ain't your grandma's podcast. This is podcasting 2.0. But we can't do this for free, babe. We have Bitcoin to buy and a new mouth to feed. <laughs> See? Our son agrees with me. If and when people enjoy the show, they can support us by giving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they're listening. They can share episodes on their social media. And of course, they can send us some money. Obviously, I prefer Bitcoin. And the best way to send us some is through our two favorite apps, Strike and Fountain. Ah, let's explain how that works at the end of the episode for anyone curious. Sure, babe. But I still like real money. And so if you want to support us... Babe, babe, Bitcoin is real money. Sure. But if you want to support us with old school money, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and subscribe. We offer monthly and yearly subscriptions that come out to less than a dollar an episode. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show to cash in on our bounty program. Make that money, honey. Y'all ready? Hey, Keon, you ready, baby? Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola to Spain. Guten Tag, Germany. Good day, Canada. Hola, Brazil. Sawadee, Thailand. Good day, UK. Hola, Argentina. Buongiorno, Italy. And Namaskar, Nepal. And howdy, howdy to, to Texas. Texas. What time is it, babe? The current time is 803-135. We are 1,884 blocks since our last recording. And we are 36,865 blocks until the halving. And if I gave you one US dollar, how many acres could I get on Bitcoin Island? Today on sunny Bitcoin Island, you can get 3,382 acres, aka a Satoshi's on Bitcoin Island. And other tangible things like eggs, beef, gas. Uh, well, according to PricedInBitcoin21.com, you can get a dozen eggs for 3,754 Satoshis. You could get a pound of ground beef for 12,167 Satoshis. And you could get a gallon of gas for 8,965 Satoshis. Great. So, babe, we need to be very upfront with our listeners and tell them what happened. About what? The episode. Oh, <laughs> there's a lot of things to be I there's front a lot, about. Guys, there's a, lot like... to ta- there's a lot to talk about. We recorded an episode. Episode and life kind of got in the way and it was time to edit it and Ian listened to it and we couldn't use it. 
like the sound was messed up. Yeah, and this isn't the first time this has happened. I got a little slack on our last recording. I don't know. I, I checked the audio, but basically what happens is... Excuses, excuses. Nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, Nobody yeah, wants yeah. to hear it. The point is, we've already had this conversation before, um, but I'm going to be very honest and say I don't really remember much of it. I looked at the notes that you had put together before, so hopefully I get it better and I'm more engaging in the conversation. Well... What? I did listen to like the first 10 minutes and of the episode. Was it good? You talked a lot about Keon making you tired. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> that's like the opening 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> so that's the part of life getting the weight. Um, it's been a little rough. So look, we're all friends here. We're going to be very honest with you guys. We started sleep training and I know it's super controversial, but I wasn't getting any sleep. Ian wasn't getting any sleep and it was killing me. My brain was not working and my maternity leave is about to end. My health was like deteriorating. It was bad. And I thought we had to wait a little bit more to like move him to his room. And one of my best friends was like, nah, girl, you could have started weeks ago. And we started that night. I will say we're three nights in, two nights in. We slept last night. Our baby only woke up once. It's unheard of, man. It, he used to sleep really well and then he stopped sleeping really well. So uh, I'm back, baby. Uh, better than ever. <laughs> I feel, I mean, it's day one of me getting maybe five hours of sleep straight. It's not even five hours of sleep straight, right? Like I keep waking up, making sure he's okay. I'm like, is he breathing? It's still, oh, it's good, man. Life is good. If you're against sleep training, do not mom shame me. Just mind your business. It's working. Our baby is getting better sleep. I feel like his brain development <laughs> has already improved. My brain development development has improved or the deterioration I think has stopped so it's all very exciting and I'm not going to complain about how tired I am because I'm really not that tired today so yeah I'm sorry I spent 10 minutes in our failed recording complaining about our son who knew sleep was so overrated or underrated I mean, in the grand scheme of you things. know, Ian and I have never been good sleepers, so we were fine. But I think five and a half months in, we reached our breaking point where we were like, this is just ridiculous. And he wasn't sleeping either. But I mean, this is not a podcast on parenting and it's definitely not one on sleep training. But if you are having this problem, just sleep train your kid. And what someone told me um, on day two of me trying this out um, was that sleep training is really parent training. And what I noticed was that he overall in the day cried significantly less now that he's like going to sleep he goes to sleep in two minutes now it worked that quick so stand firm be strong if you're dealing with kid nonsense and look into it because um i wish i had done it sooner my baby's only five and a half months mama's back i did a workout just before this and ian came and told me audio doesn't work and i said all right baby's not for a nap he's gonna hopefully sleep for an hour let's do this so hopefully the pod will be more consistent you're welcome everyone All right. So when I was like in the depths of my sleep deprivation, I was thinking about how we're going to survive this. I was like in survival mode, you know, and I think when we previously recorded this episode, I was just talking about like, are we really going to have more money when Bitcoin pops, supposedly pops, right? I mean, that's that's the question on everyone's mind. I know. I, I can't imagine how people who are reasonable Bitcoiners, I don't want 
of like lump Bitcoin maximalists into like the unreasonable Bitcoiner box. But when you have zero hesitation about it, I think like I can't really relate to that. I need a little bit of anxiety because just of who I am anyways. But like, is this really going to happen? I hope it happens, which I think that's what your approach is. Like when Ian is annoyed with the world, right? Whether it's sleep deprivation or something else, he'll say, man, if Bitcoin does what Bitcoin's supposed to do. Or man, if Bitcoin pops after this having and not the next, like you're always like, watch out, wait till they see, I'm quit, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna buy this, I'm gonna show everyone, I'm gonna buy the block. He's always like, we're gonna buy up the block. And I'm like, okay, I don't really believe. There's a great meme. Um, It's a Kermit the Frog meme. When I'm 15 minutes late to work and Bitcoin's up for the day, watch your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's you. Today's episode, part two, is really just talking about how it's not so so much math heavy, but it's really talking about the the math side of Bitcoin. You know, I just uh, I flew out to Texas and I drove back with one of my best friends and I was trying to explain to him like the podcast and I was talking about Bitcoin. Love him to death, but he's like, I can't talk about Bitcoin. I can't I can't talk about it that much. And that's fine, you know, whatever. I don't have to talk about it with people who don't want to. But there is a math problem in there that once you understand what problem Bitcoin is actually solving, your brain can then do the extrapolation to, well, if it does solve that problem, it has to be worth, quote, air quotes here, Bitcoin has to be worth certain amounts. What problem is it solving? And I'm not saying that from like a place of ignorance. For me, I think it solves multiple problems. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying that, what's the problem it's solving? The fundamental problem that Bitcoin is solving is that the entire world economy runs on debt, debt that can never be repaid. Let's just use the United States debt, for example, which is at 32, 33, 34 trillion dollars. It's like the best guess someone could have. How is that going to be repaid? Now, I think everyone who studies this particular problem long enough comes to the conclusion that the dollar value will never be repaid because there will always be new debt issued to pay off the old debt. That's the only way we could pay off the debt at this point, which is what's been going on. And on top of that, a couple months ago, they had the big like debt ceiling fight they like to have. Yeah. Well, are you aware of what the resolution was to that fight? They cut a bunch of funding for other stuff and they came False. to an agreement. False. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they just removed the ceiling. Oh, really? They just removed the ceiling. That's how checked out I am. I'm not going to go into detail about how the debt ceiling really personally affects me, but I've really checked out of the news and I only check in like after the fact. And for me, it was like, okay, they're just doing this dance over again. Mm-hmm. It'll get resolved. I don't care because I firmly believe this and I feel like it's proof. If you're pregnant or your wife is pregnant or you have a child in your house, turn off the news. Like stop trauma scrolling and do not absorb stuff in real time. You can learn about things a week after it's happened because that stress gets internalized into your body. That anxiety gets uh, turned into your body. And so I've really checked out of things that I feel like this is a little song and dance that they're doing. And that's how I felt with the debt ceiling conversation. I used to be on the edge of my seat about it for you know professional reasons as well. I don't care anymore. So it's so funny that they just got rid of the debt ceiling. It's not going to happen again. They're not going to have this fight again. There is no debt ceiling at the moment. They can borrow and spend as much as they want. They will revisit it in 2025. All right. So that'll be when the next song and dances. And the next Yeah, but president. at the moment, yeah. there is no debt ceiling. Yeah, so it's going to be wild, wild west. So we're just racking it up. I should have the number written down somewhere, but I believe they have spent half a trillion dollars in since that day. Like, Have they bought any Bitcoin? 
No, the United <laughs> States is actually selling the Bitcoin that it has, right? Like they have Bitcoin that they've seized from mm-hmm. criminals, air quotes, maybe real criminals, who knows? So they're selling their Bitcoin. Um, so my point is, is that it all runs on debt, right? We are all, whether you whether you own a house or you have any kind of debt in your life, you know, people say I'm living debt free, right? I, I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a car payment. No debt, no credit cards, right? We were debt free for like three days. <laughs> Yeah. As a couple, I was debt free a little longer, but it is what it is. It doesn't work if you want to live a life, right? Not in America, or is that anywhere? But being debt free, yeah. Um, if you also want to have a home, no, you could have like billions of dollars in cash and just buy oh, everything yeah, yeah, in cash, yeah. right? A few people in the world that do, but I mean, or like you could have millions. You don't have to be I, a billionaire. Right? Oh, like, okay, okay. Like you could millionaires can do it, but yeah, like if you have someone born today not into wealth without Bitcoin would likely not be able to own their own home in the future unless there was some type of generational wealth passed out to them that's what all of the, the news articles out there say now they're I like mean, buy your kid a house right now if you can because they're not going to be able to afford it when they're 25 or 30 or 35 yeah so on my bitcoin podcast i would say that is terrible advice uh-huh. but obviously those articles are probably written by people with phds and people care what they have to say but yep. As a Bitcoiner, that is terrible advice. Yeah, buy Bitcoin. Also, that house, who knows what's going to happen to it. A lot of things are going to happen to that house yeah. that your kid is probably not going to want it. <laughs> right? It might be underwater. It might be in, the, <laughs> it might be in Detroit. Yep. I don't want to live in Detroit, Dad. Right? So, no. The problem with Bitcoin... I don't want to live in Detroit, Dad. Why'd you buy me that house? <laughs> That's what she sound like. <laughs> Even better. Why would you buy a house in San Francisco, Dad? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you don't know when... You have no idea. Things are going to go bad in places that seem like Disneyland right now. Okay, so once you understand the problem that Bitcoin solves, which is endless debt, mm-hmm. living off of debt, everything running on debt, mm-hmm. then you will confidently move forward understanding that if you invest in bitcoin or save in bitcoin whatever terminology we want to use you will be better off in the future or much better off in the future the short answer is yes like what you're saying that's that's basically the value proposition that bitcoiners make to non-bitcoiners right Mm -hmm. but the the question there and the math problem that i'm talking about is why is that right like why is it that if you put your money in bitcoin instead of buy your kids a house now because they probably won't afford it in the future right like why is it that putting it in bitcoin is a better choice mathematically because of inflation technically because of inflation it goes back to the simple concept of nobody can tell you how many dollars exist there are new dollars Mm -hmm. created there's dollars destroyed every day there's not a there's no one can tell you not even the people who are creating and destroying the dollars can tell you how many dollars exist. Mm. So when you have $10 or $100 or a million dollars, that's your numerator, right? In this math problem. But what's the denominator? Well, it's unknown. It's unknown. You don't know of how many dollars your $100 is or a thousand or a million or however many you have. But in Bitcoin, since we know what the denominator is, every 10 minutes, the entire world is able to see what the denominator Mm -hmm. is for Bitcoin. When you attach a market cap to Bitcoin, for example, right now, Bitcoin's at $500 billion with a B. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple math problem to say, well, what is one Bitcoin worth? And then what is my Bitcoin worth? Right. But when all of these uh, people who have assets, houses, stocks, bonds, corporate real estate, treasuries, whatever the asset classes you want to talk about, they're all figuring out what Bitcoin is. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think BlackRock and their spot ETF is yeah. like the big example that mm-hmm. we're talking about. But there's a million little millionaires that are figuring this out right now also, yeah. right? And when they decide to dump an asset, let's say they're selling their treasuries or they're selling their corporate bonds or they're selling their real estate portfolio of rental properties that they own and they push it into Bitcoin because that denominator is fixed. Everyone is fighting over the same amount of Bitcoin. Everyone is converting their fiat assets or their assets that are priced in fiat to Bitcoin. The reason why they're doing that is because Bitcoin sits outside of the fiat system. It may not appear that way to a lot of people. It seems like you, it's another thing you can buy, just like you could buy a house with dollars, you could buy a car with dollars, you could buy stocks and bonds with dollars, and then you could buy Bitcoin with dollars. The only difference is that when you buy Bitcoin, the thing that you purchase actually sits outside of that debt-based economy. And that's the problem that Bitcoin is solving is how do I exit this debt-based economy. (sighs) What's wrong, babe? I don't know. I guess I'm worried I'm not saving enough money in Bitcoin. Aren't we all? You don't seem worried. Like with most things, you just got to set a goal and work towards it. But even with a goal, the price of Bitcoin changes so much, it's hard to keep track. I understand. That's why I created the Satoshi Savings Calculator. And how can that help? First, you decide how much Bitcoin you want to acquire. One Bitcoin. Great. Then you got to decide how much time you want to give yourself to acquire that Bitcoin. Before the next halving, duh. That's also great because the calculator only lets you pick halving dates. Anything else I need to enter? Just how often you want to buy and which currency you want to use. Oh, so rather than buying it all at once? To loosely quote Desmond Tutu, if you want to save a whole Bitcoin, you got to do it like you eat an elephant, one bite at a time. That's gross, Ian. But true. Focus, babe. Where can I find this calculator? The pod's website, flirtingwithbitcoin.com. Wait, you haven't been to the website yet? Um, Let's get back to the show. Thank you so much for the info, babe. Okay, so we are back and this time we have Keon joining us because he woke up from his nap, Um, but he's in good spirits and he has been really chatty lately. So maybe he'll have something to say. Maybe he'll have an opinion on what you want to talk about today. Um, But let's get into it, babe. What are you trying to teach me today? So two topics. First one is, you know, you brought this up a couple episodes ago with a phrase, you know, if there's yield, get off the field or something like that. You know, that's a pretty solid rule of thumb going forward for any financial product, right? Like whether you're putting your money in a savings account or you're, I mean, I don't think these Celsius types of companies will exist ever again because of how they blew up. But like if someone's offering you a crazy amount of interest on your money for just parking it somewhere, you should really question like, where is that money that you're going to pay me you know, for not percent. just for Bitcoin, like for any. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where is the yield coming from? And, you know, when you when you study Bitcoin and you study what a hard asset or hard money is, you understand that like money just sitting somewhere does not create more money. Like but we've you, been taught that it does. Or like let your money work for you. If you have your dollars sitting in a savings account at JP Morgan Chase, you put in a hundred dollars on January first and you get, you know, four percent at the end of the year you have a hundred and four dollars, it's like, oh wow, like yeah, my money earned me money. But like what did they actually how did they pay you those four dollars? Because if you had a hundred dollars in gold just sitting on your floor in your house, it wouldn't be worth a hundred and four dollars, mm-hmm. right? Like unless the price of gold changed. The price of gold might change, but the amount of gold that yeah. you have 
have true. has not changed, right. right? Just like Bitcoin. Just like Bitcoin. And so, you know, when you're talking about dollars, if the amount of dollars you have changes, that's also indicative of... So like just making $4 doesn't necessarily mean you even made money because with inflation, it's probably not even keeping up today. Yeah. Maybe I mean, like, like 10 years ago, that $4 was you in the green, but you're probably in the red now after a year. Yeah. Like inflation, if you listen to the official media, is that... You know, sub four percent. So technically, you'd probably be ahead. Break but, even. <laughs> but we're not at four percent inflation. Like, there's a subtle but growing revolt on social media where people are literally just posting their lifestyle bills over the past right. year, showing like I don't know what they're talking about. Like things have gone up twenty percent, thirty percent, fifty percent for me. It has. So what's this three point nine percent that they're talking about on the news every day? I saw someone today say like you walk into Whole Foods now and it doesn't seem expensive because like Whole Foods prices are kind of still what they were. But if you go to a regular grocery store, they're whole food prices now. And I was saying this months ago about eggs. I was like, just go buy the fanciest eggs. It's cheaper than the than the least fanciest eggs. I don't know how to, I don't want to be offensive to eggs, but some of them are not that fancy. <laughs> Don't want to offend any of the chickens out there, chickens out there. (laughs) But no. So that's a pretty good rule of thumb. If there's yield question where it's coming from. Uh, And as Bitcoiners, you know, we try to avoid yield at all costs because you usually don't like the answer of where it's coming from. And you want to hold your own Bitcoin at the end of the day. Usually, if you want to earn yield on your Bitcoin, you kind of have to hand it over to someone else, right? Like you lose control of your Bitcoin to earn that yield. Well, that's technically not true. And this is something that, you know, I've been playing around with for about the past year and I kind of forgotten. But then when you said that the other day, it kind of reminded me of of the fact that like, well, technically we have earned yield on our Bitcoin. Not a lot, not in the like 1%, 2%, 4% range, but Lightning is, in my opinion, a way that you can earn yield on your Bitcoin. In full disclosure, when Ian told me this the first time we recorded, I was like, why don't we make a business out of this? How much could we make? I asked a million questions that were driving him crazy. Like he, he took his time telling me how much, how much, Bitcoin we've made, but it was something like a hundred Satoshis. Uh, it was yeah. something really small, but like my brain was just like, oh my God, we could really be making Bitcoin that easily. Oh my God, passively, how much can we make? And then he was like, it's not a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing about Bitcoin, right? It's, it's all about patience. Like it's all about patience. So yeah, we've earned about a hundred, a little less than a hundred Satoshis from this experiment. You know, these the lightning channels that I've opened, which is way less than the Bitcoin that you can say I'm earning yield on, right? It's less than 1%. Right. So can I say the way that you described it to me and if I learned it correctly? Yeah, let's see how well I did. Okay. So you set up a lightning channel with someone else uh-huh. and you put... You both have to put the same amount of Bitcoin in there. And that's how much Bitcoin can move between that lightning channel. So let's say you put, let's just say one Bitcoin in there. Mm -hmm. The other person has to also put a one Bitcoin for that channel to be active. Yes. And then people can, and then you set how much it costs to use your node to lightning through. (laughs) I don't know, to use your channel. You're 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 good enough. What's yeah. the terminology? Route to use your route. No no no. You route through your node. Yeah, you can route through the node. So like, let's say someone is trying to send money somewhere, and your node is a shorter or with the shortest cheapest path, they would pick yours, and then they could 
you know, transfer their Bitcoin using your node and then they would pay whatever fee that you've put on there. And so our fee on our node is one Satoshi. Yes. Then my like line of questioning was like, how can we make a million Satoshis doing this? And you were saying that people do this as a business. Uh, yeah. The one thing that and I... we're not going to be one of them. Womp womp. No, we're not. Um, <laughs> for many different reasons, but namely like, I don't necessarily think that you can run a business, run this type of business unless you're at a certain scale and have a certain amount of Bitcoin to put into it, right? Like if you have a hundred Bitcoin and you opened up a hundred channels with one Bitcoin in them and you were like, okay, over the course of two, three, four, five years, I expect this hundred Bitcoin to produce one Bitcoin worth of fees. Mm -hmm. That's 1%. Yeah, that's a lot of work. But there's no other way to to safely earn yield right on bitcoin because this is still your bitcoin you're not giving it to anyone else it's still yours it's you're still in your control but but the point that i'm getting at is earning yield on your bitcoin in this fashion it's passive but managing all of those those channels is work because what happens is that eventually even though the channel is open no one can route through you because it's out of balance and i won't get into the technical details of that but i'll just say like it takes work to keep all of your channels balanced all the time maintenance it's not set it and forget it so people are building the tools and and the different services and products where it becomes more set it and forget it but lightning is so new it's like two years old right the age of it is, is all relative. The point that I'm getting at is like, if you want to be in this business, like you still have to build stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so you can't, you have to have a large amount of money if you're going to say, well, I'm going to pay for the building of those things from the revenue that I'm generating off of this passive fee that I'm collecting, right? So what's the moral of the story? Like if someone's trying to give you yield on your Bitcoin, like, like run, um, and if you want to do it yourself, like this seems to be the safest way to do it. And it's really just like not a big return. The way that I would classify the moral of the story is that not all yield is bad. You could earn yield this way, but you're not turning over control of your Bitcoin. So which that, is the most important thing. Which is the most important thing. But also like... This is the next level of Bitcoinerism, if you want to call it that, right? Step one is acquiring the Bitcoin. Step two is securing the Bitcoin. Step three is, well, either I just sit and wait for halvings to go by and, and you know, the value of my Bitcoin to go up, or I could go learn more about Bitcoin. And when you learn more about Bitcoin, the next thing you learn about is layer two, which is lightning. And so at the lightning level, you can earn a yield, not a lot, but you can earn a yield. But it takes some work and some educating yourself, just like you had to educate yourself at the Bitcoin layer one. And then also you're like contributing to the Lightning Network, which is also nice. Yeah, I mean, the Lightning Network is a growing network. Um, It's got, I think, around four or five thousand Bitcoin in liquidity. That's not a lot of the overall Bitcoin, but... If you talk about it in like dollar terms, like over time, uh, four or 5,000 Bitcoin could technically facilitate more and more and more and more commerce, right? Like we don't need all the Bitcoin on the Lightning Network because one Satoshi will just be worth more and more money. Helping the Lightning Network grow and like learning what it is, it's a choice that, you know, if you're a Bitcoiner and you're flirting with Bitcoin, this is the next thing you you can technically should Ah. learn about if 
you have this feeling of like impatience. My Bitcoin is just sitting here. It's not doing anything. I'm not earning anything. So are these the marching orders for people who are flirting with Bitcoin? These are not marching orders. Ah, okay. This is just me <laughs> me explaining that like there is a way to earn yield on your Bitcoin, but it requires more education than you've already probably gotten in Bitcoin. Because like technically equipment, right? Like you need to have a full node, mm-hmm. right? So a full node is required. We do this on Umbral, so it's kind of managed for us. Um, and I won't get into the details of all of that. We have an episode on that. On managing your lightning channels on Umbral? No, just node, setting up a node. Yeah, so like at every layer, there is more learning to do. And our podcast is centered around getting people comfortable with and familiar with layer one which is buying and owning Bitcoin and holding it on the blockchain itself. But if you really feel the need to earn a yield on your Bitcoin, do not give it to a company like Celsius or BlockFi. Take some time, sit down and learn about Lightning and learn about how Lightning works. And then the fees that you can generate from getting payments routed through your node, that is your yield. It's yield that you could earn from your Bitcoin just sitting there, right? Which is kind of the the value prop of a savings account. Right. You put your money here. It does nothing. And we'll pay you a percentage at the end of the year. I would say one percent on Bitcoin is better than four percent on dollars. Right. Because the one percent you earn on Bitcoin, like I said, we earned 100 Satoshis. Well, that 100 Satoshis is worth less than a dollar today. But if and when Bitcoin hits a million dollars of Bitcoin. If and when Bitcoin does what Bitcoin's going to do. Well, this goes back to the math problem. You know, there's. $900 trillion worth of assets in the world. That's other people's estimates. I'm just rounding it off, right? Well, if $900 trillion was to flow all into Bitcoin, one Bitcoin is worth a lot more. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think $900 trillion is going to flow into it all at once, but I do think a percentage of that $900 trillion is going to flow in. And so as a person who's sitting here doing their own math, you get to pick the percentage. If you think it's 1%, That's $9 trillion. (laughs) The current market cap of Bitcoin is half a trillion. So that's almost a 10x, which if you just want to use round numbers, 10x from today means Bitcoin is at $300,000 a coin. So babe, how do you feel like when you do this math? Are you like, oh my God, we're going to be rich? No, I I don't look at it like, oh my God, we're going to be rich. I look at it like this is one of the things that I pieced together in my head when I was driving back with my buddy on this this past um this past weekend my buddy's super successful he's building like an amazing business right now and he's earning a ton of money and it's a lot of work i'm not a person that shies away from hard work like i don't mind working hard um especially if i i could see the path from a to b and it's like okay let's do all of that work and then we'll be successful what i see when i do the math with bitcoin is like all of the work that i've done in my life is technically in bitcoin already that's very hard to explain but like none of us none of us us who are living in the current fiat system have actually ever reaped the true value of all of the eight hour days, nine hour days, 12 hour days that we've put in. None of us have reaped the actual true value of that brain power and or labor, whether you were digging a ditch or writing software. A lot of the value of that labor has been siphoned off by people who have their hands in your pocket, Mm -hmm. taxes, the cost of living increases and all that fun stuff. But if you get in Bitcoin today and you understand what it is, you get to earn that back. Like that's that's what that's the way that I see it as is like if you can sit and be patient and stay solvent, right? Don't go blow all your money and just wait for Bitcoin to hit. But 
If you use Bitcoin as your savings account, you can actually get all of the value of that labor that you put in returned back to you over time. Because all of those wealthy people that had their hands in your pockets over that entire time that were taxing you and raising the prices of everything, right? Adding on service fees and just all the financial chicanery and nonsense that goes on in the world. They don't understand Bitcoin right now. They don't. They are actually at the top of that scheme, of that pyramid. They don't want Bitcoin to be real. It doesn't matter. They don't have a say in it. Yeah, I'm saying like they it's like they're not letting their mind even like understand it because they don't think that they'll benefit from them. But it actually in actuality, they would benefit from it. Everyone will benefit from Bitcoin if they get in now. There will always be a time that you can make that statement, though. Or sorry, even 100 years to when like, you know, there's no more Bitcoin coming out. Yes, because Bitcoin, you know, if you look at the dollar, the United States dollar, as like the representation of an economy, or you look at the euro as a representation of an economy and all the goods that are produced in that economy, you can trade your euros or dollars or yen if you're in Japan for goods that are produced in that economy. Well, those currencies are like someone just took a piece of the world and just carved out a spot and said, everything drawn within this border can be represented by this currency unit. Bitcoin is global. So Bitcoin represents the entire productivity of the entire planet, but it's going to take time for everyone to figure that out. So the economy, the GDP, the economy, the Bitcoin economy is only going to grow, not because necessarily more things are being produced, which that is also true, but it's going to be that more things that are being produced will be priced in Bitcoin and they'll be priced appropriately in Bitcoin and their fiat currency that they're priced in will just trend to zero. Like you'll be able to buy a hamburger for two Satoshis at some point in the future. So if you have one Bitcoin today, that's 50 million hamburgers. Yum. It's a non-governmental redistribution of wealth. That is what it is. And the people that are in it today, whether you have 100,000 Satoshis or one Bitcoin or 10 Bitcoin or 100 Bitcoin or your micro sailor and you have, I don't know what he's got, like 200,000 Bitcoin now or whatever his number. I thought he said micro strategies has it, not micro, Michael Saylor. Sure. Whether you're micro strategies and you've purchased, you know, over 100,000 Bitcoin, that's just like staking your claim. What you're now waiting for is for everyone else to show up and say, I want some of that. Okay, cool. I could shave off a little piece for you. I got this back at 30,000 and now it's 300,000. Or I got this back at 30,000 and now it's 3 million. Or I got this back at 30,000 and now it's 300 million. We don't know. There's no cap to what the price of one Bitcoin can be because they won't stop printing money. Yeah. And that's why it solves, Bitcoin solves that problem. Go ahead and print as much money as you want. We can appropriately price that money. But does this get you excited and riled up? Or did you get excited years ago when you like really clicked with Bitcoin and like you're not riled up and excited about it? I've like internalized a lot of these, you know, math problems, Mm -hmm. right? And so it doesn't really get me excited. It gets it gets me it gets me excited to see other people. Yeah, I know. Lights go off. Yeah, for sure. And so when other people realize what's going on and they realize Oh, if I don't move my wealth into that, if I've explained the having to them right before the having, mm-hmm. like when they start realizing what the math actually is, then it's like, all right, cool. That's one more person that is now part of the Bitcoin economy. And they'll start playing the game of trying to get as much of it as possible. And they'll try to explain to their friends who have more wealth and more wealth and more wealth. But if you're already wealthy, you don't need to really protect your wealth. 
The system's already set up to protect your wealth if you're wealthy. But that wealth that you have is, you know, Michael Saylor calls it a melting ice cube. If you don't recognize that it's a melting ice cube or you have so much of it that you're not noticing it's melting, you don't notice that it's melting, then you're not looking for ways to protect your wealth as hard as someone who maybe only has a hundred thousand dollars. 20 years ago, they could have bought a house in their hometown cash. 20 years later, they see the same houses in their in their hometown going for $300,000. they are like, what happened? You know, for me, it's not even like about housing. Or this. For me, it's retirement. You know, I'm an immigrant. A lot of immigrants, our parents do not have retirement plans. You know, they didn't have 401ks when they got their first job when they were 20, you know? And so it's just like retirement is such a far-fetched idea for me. And for us to maybe be able to retire early, because like it's just blows. In my mind, I'm like, I'm going to work until I have until I don't have to. And I don't have a date when that's going to be. I'm just like, I'm probably going to always work. And like you come to me with this new reality of like, no, we won't have to work forever. We'll probably be able to retire early and live really comfortably. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, I believe it, but I also don't believe it. So I know I feel like I, I, I say this all the time, but um, even with all of this information, it's just so hard for me to believe. Um, I'm just going to have to live it. That's what I think everyone is going to deal with over the next between today and 2030. Between today and 2030, we have three havings. A lot can happen in three havings. Episode is going well, yeah? I think so. Wish I had the time to make some clips to promote it. Yeah, but you don't. That's why we pay our listeners to do that. Mm, how does that work again? When someone makes a clip on Fountain, we send them some sets. But give me the fine print, baby. It's 250 for the current episode and 100 for the older ones. And also if they tweet it out, right? They gotta use the hashtag flirting with Bitcoin clips and post it on Noster for me to see it. Then I'll zap those same amounts. That's pretty generous, babe. Our listeners are pretty generous with their time making the clips. Well, isn't this just a lucrative love fest for us all? More like it pays to listen to the flirting with bitcoin podcast another thing that you mentioned that i wanted to uh, i don't say correct but like add a little more color to is the idea that michael saylor or anyone in particular, right now it's Michael Saylor, and it'll probably only be Michael Saylor because of what we just talked about previously. Michael Saylor having a large amount of Bitcoin, right? And MicroStrategies having a large amount of Bitcoin. Yeah, and like I feel like this is a disservice to our listeners because we talked about this a lot and argued about it quite a bit. And I feel like I've calmed down a little bit about it. But generally, I think it's a little uncomfortable that, you know, there's one person, but you kept saying like, it's a company, it's micro strategies, there's a board, they could take it away from him. That's buying up so much Bitcoin. But like, you didn't say this when we recorded the first time, but you just said it's like a redistribution of wealth that's happening without government intervention. And I think that is like, I think a good way to phrase it, because when we think about redistribution of wealth, like, or when I think about it, it's like, okay, you're leveling the playing field in some or whatever. But it's, it's, this isn't like, oh, people who had it won't have it or people that, that don't have money will have money. It's just whoever is getting it gets Bitcoin at the price that they deserve, right? So it's this like almost organic distribution of redistribution of wealth that's happening and whoever comes in comes in. Um, but it is like, you know, we're going to see now and probably in the next five, seven, ten years who are going to be the wealthy of the world for the next hundred years, right? Um, People who are owning, you know, I think Michael 200 million Bitcoin. I don't know how much Bitcoin does he have? It's like 150, 200, 
200,000, somewhere around there. Oh, okay. Bitcoin. I said million. <laughs> that doesn't make no, any sense. Only Satoshi has Yeah, a, there's has only a 21 million. million Bitcoin. Satoshi has allegedly a million Bitcoin, um, <laughs> but no one has no one has close to that, which might not be true, right? Because like we're just going off of blockchain data. There might be someone who has a million Bitcoin addresses with one Bitcoin in them. I, I doubt that that's true, right? But I think MicroStrategies has done some interesting things over the past two years as they started acquiring Bitcoin. And one of the things that I I think that they've done, they haven't said it out loud directly, but MicroStrategies is a company. And as a company, there are different ways that companies can spend money. There's different ways that companies can hold assets and hold money. MicroStrategies has bought Bitcoin a bunch of different ways, right? Like they issued new stock and sold the stock and bought Bitcoin. They issued corporate debt, bought Bitcoin. They use their cash flows. So they are a profitable company. They sweep their profits into Bitcoin, right? I think MicroStrategies kind of is showing the way of, yes, we're doing it right now and we're going to reap the benefits of it because we are the pioneer. Like we are, you know, almost like the, uh, what was the name of it? The the Dutch East Indian Company, mm-hmm. right? Like they figured out how to get to the East Indies. They figured out how to get the nutmeg. And they were like the nutmeg guy for however long. They fought wars over it, whatever, right? But like the first thing they had to figure out was how do we get there? They lost a lot of ships and lost a lot of money training people on how to sail those ships to get there. Like Mm -hmm. they invested a lot. And when they finally figured all that out, then they had a hundred year reign. But there were a bunch of other companies, not the Dutch East Indian Company, that never became the Dutch East Indian Company because they failed. They just, for lack of a better example, they couldn't get around the horde of Africa, Mm -hmm. right? So MicroStrategies is like building a company that's, going to be the model for sailing the Bitcoin seas. I hate, you know, we're using all these Bitcoin analogies, right? But like, I like that, babe. But they're building a company for like sailing the Bitcoin seas and they have rounded the Horde of Africa, not the Horde of Africa, sorry, the Cape of Good Hope. MicroStrategies has rounded the Cape of Good Hope. The only difference is that when you get to the East Indies, you cannot just claim Bitcoin <laughs> Right. Like you have to earn it and hold it yourself. Mm -hmm. And so MicroStrategies is holding it themselves. But technically all Bitcoin is for sale. Yeah. You got to pick a price. I know. Yeah. Like now I I, I hear what you're saying. And and I think the resolution of our discussion was it's not evil. I still don't like it. I wish that Bitcoin was spread out a little bit more. than it is. It's like it's still frustrating to me that there's going to be huge gaps and wealth amongst bitcoiners and it's just because we don't have that money to buy that much bitcoin we buy a little every day but like it's we'll just never be up there even though we're all in right yeah i mean we have a podcast about you know but like well we're never gonna be those type of bitcoiners i'm gonna push back on that you could be those type of bitcoiners you just choose not to be right like anybody could technically be sell our house no 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 a tent no because what what you're saying you don't like is the fact that micro strategies michael saylor via micro strategies has purchased an inordinate amount of bitcoin compared to everyone else and what i'm saying is that you could start your own business you could produce multi-million dollar revenue cash flows and buy all the bitcoin you could do this maybe not at the 100,000 Bitcoin level Mm -hmm. that he's doing it at because he's doing it in this particular epoch, right? 
of Bitcoin before this halving, right? Mm-hmm. But after this halving, let's just chop a zero off and someone else, some other company figures it out. And instead of hundreds of thousands of Bitcoins, they're buying tens of thousands of Bitcoin. It's the same math problem. Like I have a company that produces revenue and profit and I sweep a percentage of the profits into Bitcoin. Anyone can do that. Yeah, I think it's and because so, like it's called MicroStrategies. It's a technology company. Is that what it is? Based right over here in Virginia. Right. So like I think it's also this thought that like, oh, only technology companies could do this, but any any business could do this. There are tons of businesses that were doing it before MicroStrategies, just not at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked about... And he has to disclose that information, whereas other companies don't. If, they're not if you're publicly. a publicly traded company, right. you have to disclose all of your company's holdings. If you're not a publicly traded company, you don't have to tell anybody how much Bitcoin your company holds, mm-hmm. right? Short of like the people who might own it with you. You know, like in Bitcoin terms, like you never ask someone what their stack is, right? You never ask someone how much Bitcoin do you have. But MicroStrategies is forced to tell everybody how much they have. Because if he wasn't forced to tell everyone how much he had, you wouldn't have this concern because you wouldn't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So right like the, the bigger point that I'm getting at is that, you know, we, we talked about this in our our uh, episode. When we went to the beach and I was saying like, hey, you know, these beach town businesses that have this like se- seasonal business, right? You have a lot of business in the spring and summer and then you have less business in the fall and winter. Like something like Bitcoin could really help them because when the sun is shining, make hay. When, when you're really busy, you sweep all those profits into Bitcoin. Yeah. And then you're not holding a melting ice cube during the off season. Yeah. Right. So like this, that strategy is for everyone. There's no. It's not a micro strategy. It's a macro strategy. Yeah, I think. But a bunch. Well, actually, I don't know if there's a but up. I think they do have a macro strategy entity somewhere in Give there. Give me just credit. I didn't know that. Okay. I deserve credit for that great joke. Credit where credit's due. People having an inordinate amount of Bitcoin is not the problem. The problem, and this is, you know, not trying to attack you, but like this is part of the fiat mindset is that in the fiat world, the people who have a large amount of money, they don't have to spend their money to acquire things. They just take on more debt. Mm -hmm. So once you get to a certain threshold, you don't have to spend money that you've earned in your savings account. You just go to a bank and say, hey, I'm MicroStrategies. Give me a 0% interest loan on like $100 million. That's what they did to buy, buy some Bitcoin. of their Bitcoin, right? So you're saying in the, in the future, they're going to have to spend their Bitcoin. I predict a future where, you know, in my business, we deal in the, we're a fintech and we deal with like credit scores. I predict a world with zero credit scores because the only way you'll be able to borrow money is to post Bitcoin. And then once that's the case, everyone will have to have some Bitcoin. We have Bitcoin right now. We can go to Unchained Capital and borrow against it. There's no credit check. There's no give us your work history. Mm -hmm. There's no, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like there's none of that. It's like, how much do you want to borrow? Type that number in. Here's how much Bitcoin you have to send to this address. (laughs) And when when it lands, you get you get cash 30 minutes later. That's just not how things work right now for for the rest of the world. Yeah, I'm definitely still in the fiat mindset. I'll own up to that. So like the way that you do that today is you go get a credit card. And with a credit card, you don't really post anything. You don't post any collateral for your credit card except for your credit score and technically your annual income. That's what you yeah. post to get a money, money from the future. Like, yeah, like <laughs> I would say for me, this is still like having debt, but I've never let a credit card bill not be paid off in the month. And so I've never 
let uh, a credit card bill roll over. It's always been to zero every month. And the only debt that I've ever taken on has been student loans that I paid off really quickly and aggressively, a car loan, and now a mortgage. And so I don't really like, I don't even feel very comfortable with debt. It's not something that I I use often. And so I also think there's, it's not a world that I that my mind is in anyway. So I think I'm like this weird fiat mindset still where like, I don't even truly operate with debt as an option for a source of income. And Keon agrees. Keon's with me. He doesn't want debt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not going to have debt. You know, I was talking about this with my buddy on the ride. Like, he wasn't saying Bitcoin. He was saying dollars, but it's the same concept. We could uh, hire Keon to uh, be our uh, the face of the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast, mm-hmm. right? And we take some pictures of him. And those are like our, our yearly, like, thanks for listening cards, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I forget the number. I think it's $10,000. Yeah, you can pay your, you can employ your child and pay them tax free, right? Yes, that's what I'm driving at. Yeah, right? yeah. So I think the number is ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So let's just say we're gonna pay Keon ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars and you slam it directly into a Roth IRA for him. Mm-hmm. And you let that grow for 18 years. Or technically since it's a Roth IRA till he's sixty. Stay, yeah. So he's got sixty years of growth on money that he got for taking some pictures that he didn't even know about. Yeah, that's what rich people do for their kids. Right, it is. Right it's- now, the now take it to a step further. Put ten thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, Bitcoin into his Unchained Capital Roth IRA. Like right, like you just do it with Bitcoin. Yeah, and the gains are. And you can pull it whenever he wants. Well, if you do it in a Roth and oh, Unchained, it's still the same rule. Still rules. the same. But if you don't do it with a Roth and you just buy ten thousand dollars worth of bitcoin for him and put it somewhere right like it's tax free he doesn't have to pay tax on that income mm-hmm. right that's the diff that's where you get it so to get it into the roth you gotta pay up and then the taxes oh, and all, he's all about this he's like so, it sounds good but the point is is that like that's what wealthy people do it's that's- funny that you say that because my sister sent me a video the other day about i don't know is it the 528 he ain't getting that right and so she sent it to me and i was like you would just say to buy bitcoin and she was like i knew you would say that and i said then why did you send me this <laughs> but we are not going to give the government more of my, our money <laughs> Technically, that's giving the government your money, but that's just it's like a gift card, right? Like you take perfectly good money that can you can spend anywhere and then you put extra rules on it. Yeah. Say, I can only spend this at certain locations now. It's like, what if I just want to buy one of those hamburgers? I can't. Right. Unless I buy it at a college. Mm-hmm. So, no, like anything that puts additional rules on your money, your money already has a ridiculous amount of rules on it anyway. Don't put any more rules on your money. The trick that gets everybody is that they lure you, just like banks lure you to give them your money with interest rates, right? Government lures you to lock money away with tax deferral. Mm-hmm. Right. Tax games. Yep. So this is how the game has been played where wealthy people, rich people, either they know how it works or they have enough money to pay people that know how it works. And they set it all up for them and they manage it all for them and they go out and run their business. And then they just end up with a bunch of tax deferred money for their kids and trusts and all the stuff that you can do. Right. Well, there's a new alternative, which is Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, it's just being so cute right now. Like with Bitcoin, <laughs> you don't have to know any of those sneaky rules if you're willing to just hold yeah, on to it. Yeah, and right? you don't have to think like, oh my God, am I not doing enough? 
I think that's also like this is a game, right? And people want to think that they're having the best strategy and they're finding all the loopholes and they're doing the best things for their kids and their families. It's exhausting. It's and very, what if you make the wrong decision? It's exhausting and it's not designed for you. Right? Like it's just not. You know, you can set up these these college funds. You can do the little hire your kid and and, and put it in a Roth and let it grow for them forever, right? Like you could do all of that. There's no guarantee that by the time they get to whatever the age limit is for their Roth, that the age limit hasn't changed. All right. Does that mean you think that with Bitcoin, there's a guarantee? I think that there's a guarantee that the rules will not change. That is the current problem that we live in is that the rules constantly change. And then everyone has to shuffle the, you know, shuffle what they're doing to account for the new rules. But like with Bitcoin, the rules are the rules. There's only 21 million or 2.1 quadrillion Satoshis. Everyone goes out in the world. They do whatever they feel like doing. Now, some people do jobs they don't like. Some people, you know, pursue passion projects. That's up to you. Whoever has the most Bitcoin at the end of the day wins. And that's Michael Saylor. But Michael Saylor doesn't actually have the most. Who has the most? Um, recently, it was announced that Bulgaria has like 200,000 oh, Bitcoin. Oh, okay, so yeah. Bulgaria, as far as officially... El Salvador I, I, must be real salty about that. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately for El Salvador, their criminals were not buying Bitcoin that when they arrested them, they could confiscate Bitcoin, right? If only your criminals were more technologically savvy. Yeah, the criminals there were based on dollars. They had dollar criminals in <laughs> their country. They had fiat criminals. I need, I, how do I encourage Bitcoin criminals into my jurisdiction? Speaking of criminals, Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, mm -hmm. I thought I saw he's going to jail. Yeah, witness tampering. Oh, not because of uh, the fall of FTX. So he's out on bail. Yeah. While out on bail, he was witness, witness tampering. tampering. They revoked his, his bail. bail. He's in jail. And his trial's in October. Trial still hasn't happened. Okay, yet. so I thought he had been freed, but no, 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 he's not. He's not free. Charges weren't dropped. He, charges were certain charges were dropped. Oh. The political donation, political finance. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, what is it? Campaign finance violation charges have been dropped because he donated to everyone and nobody mm -hmm. wants their business in the street. But the actual like you lost ten billion dollars okay. of people's money. That's what, okay, he's still in trouble for sense. that. He's still got to go to court for that. It's just that now he's going to be sitting in jail. Okay. Waiting for that instead of going into Starbucks and sending mean tweets to Carolyn or Caroline, however you say her name. <laughs> All right. So maybe justice will prevail. Oh, there, that, there's no way this dude is getting away with this. I thought he was getting away with it. He got away with the campaign finance okay. stuff. All right, right? All right, all right. Like, so there's that. Um, and he'll probably, I mean, you know, financial crimes, maximum he'll get is 10 years, probably. Like, he didn't murder anybody that we know of. That we know of. He might get murdered, right? And then maybe they'll catch that person and... So he'll get like the ultimate punishment and that person will get punished for murder. And then it kind of balances out. Um, no, he's he's back in jail for 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 witness tampering. Um, oh, but I do want to talk about something that we did not talk about when we recorded last episode um, because it hadn't happened yet. But have you heard this new song that's like swiffering the nation? Is it the one margarita song? God, no. One margarita. Do not sing that on this podcast. <laughs> 
What's the song? So this guy from right over here in Farmville, Virginia, he put out a song called Rich Men North of Richmond. Okay. Can I play it a little? You can play it now. I'll I'll splice in like probably a cleaner version than playing it into the microphone. things number one the dude doesn't mention bitcoin at all in the song Mm -hmm. but that song came out i want to say a week ago Mm -hmm. yesterday i'm on youtube and i guess the guy's in um he's in the outer banks performing at some some bar in the outer banks Mm -hmm. everyone at the bar was singing along okay this song is striking a chord in a lot of people and it's across the spectrum. Okay. Right? Like, it's a country song. He's got a banjo. He's got a beard. Whatever. He looks Blue like... Grass, maybe. He yeah. looks like he's from Appalachia. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm on YouTube. And I got, I got like, a lot of different things that I listen to on YouTube. And, you know, they have, like, these reaction videos. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of black people. A lot of black people are like, yo. You know, on Spotify, he says, I'm happy you're here. I spend my free time writing songs and pursuing an off-grid life on 90 acres in the woods of Virginia. Lord willing, this is just the beginning. Please email me. And he has his email address. Yeah, so. Oliver Anthony Music. I would not be surprised if that song became like the Bitcoiner anthem. Okay. And not just the Bitcoin, not just the Bitcoiner anthem, but I think that song is the anthem for like what everyone is going through right now. You didn't play the whole thing. I'll splice it in, and mm-hmm. you know, you close whole, out the episode. Sure, sure, okay. sure. But the the point I'm making is that the song is about currency debasement. He doesn't say those words, okay. but the song is about currency debasement and how no matter how hard I work, for some reason I can't even tread water, mm-hmm. let alone get ahead. And so as I was listening to it, I was like, I don't know if this guy's a Bitcoiner or not, but like anybody who that song strikes a chord with should be able to understand Bitcoin. And when I saw the reaction to this song, I was like, there are so many latent Bitcoiners out there. They're not there yet, but if you identify with this song and you really feel like what this guy's saying in this song, then do I have a solution for you? It's gonna take time. It's not gonna solve your problems tomorrow, but if you truly understand what he's saying, there's a way that you can maybe ensure that your kids don't have to sing that song, right? Here's hoping. All right, so let's close out this episode with you playing the full song. Hopefully he doesn't get mad at us for adding it to the episode. Well, so I say all that to say, like, obviously he's super busy right now. His song blew up. He's got a bunch of other songs that I listen to. They're actually pretty good. Like, he's pretty good. Like, I would like to get this guy, you know, set up where we could stream sats to him, right? Because part of the Bitcoiner education is, like, all the money that he's going to make from this gonna be in dollars true that all right let's let's make it happen um i hope you guys like the song thanks for listening this week and i hope keon was more cute than annoying
Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Now let's get you set up on Fountain so you can start earning money simply by listening to podcasts. It's time to join the Fountainhead Nation. Go to Fountain.fm to download the app onto your phone. Once you've installed the app and have set up your account, search for Flirting with Bitcoin and follow us. You should also be able to find and follow every other podcast you listen to as well. Listen to our show and episodes from your other favorite podcasts to earn your first stats, which are fractions of a Bitcoin. And keep an eye out for our promoted episodes on Fountain's homepage. We promote every episode so you can earn up to 100 sats just for listening. Yeah, that's right. Your attention's valuable to us. You're not just a set of earballs we've collected for advertisers. You can use the sats you've earned to send us a boost, which is like a little payment with a message. We are very active and respond to almost all the boosts we get. Every episode, we also give a shout out to the top boosters from the previous episode. And if you want to support us or other podcasters with more sats than you earn... You can top up your fountain wallet with a bank card or a lightning transfer from apps like Strike or Cash App. The easiest way to learn is to just get started. If you have any trouble or questions, go to support.fountain.fm. The team is extremely helpful and responsive. That's it. Now you're all set up for podcasting 2.0. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours. For bullshit pay So I can sit out here And waste my life away Drag back home And drown my troubles away It's a damn shame What the world's gotten to For people like me People like you Wish I could just wake up And it not be true But it is Oh it is Living in the new world With an whole Richmond North or Richmond, Lord knows it all. Just wanna have total control. Wanna know what you think, wanna know what you do. And they don't think you know, but I know that you do. Cause your dollar ain't shit, and it's taxed to no end. Cause the rich men, cause the rich men. Politicians look out for miners and not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the whole beast milking welfare. Well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground, cause all this does is keep on kicking them down Lord it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me people like you wish I could just wake up and it not be true but it is all it is living in the new world with an old soul these rich men know the Lord knows they all just want to have total control Want to know what you think, want to know what you do And they don't think you know, but I know that you do Cause your dollar ain't shit, and it's taxed to no end Cause the rich men, North the rich men
I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay.